I would describe Isaac as being the eyes and ears of this team. If something goes wrong, I won't be able to get to you in time. Not just as a quote unquote protector, but I think just the way that he shows up in the world and kind of how he navigates it. Cameras, sound, motion detectors. I had to go through one of these when I was in the Special Forces. As somebody with a previous military background, also as somebody who's trans, he sees everything. He doesn't um, speak unless he has something to honestly offer. Your refusal to wear anything other than black is enraging. <laughs> Tom often acts with haste, whereas Isaac is a little bit more slow um, to kind of assess and kind of scope out. You know this is unnecessary. You're safer when you're alert. Maybe I can just hire a man to treat me as good as your bodyguard treats you. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of, well, Decoding Tom Swift Adjacent. Today we are having a conversation, <laughs> a phenomenal conversation. You want to you wanna be tuned for this. Um, I am your co-host, Rain Coleman, the Carefree Black Nerd, and I have with me today, like I do every episode, my phenomenal co-host. Please let these folks know who is with me today. M. Haynes, nervous and excited, excited and nervous, both of those things. Yes, yes, indeed. Oh, okay, so we're going to let our wonderful, phenomenal <laughs> guest in the house, please, we all want to hear your voice. You ex Let these folks know who is with us today. So first of all, let me just start by saying thank you for having me in this space. I love that it is very relaxed and it's chill, so I could go ahead and introduce myself now. My name is Marquise Vilsong, um, also known as Marquise Balenciaga. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me today. Of course, of course. Well, thank you for agreeing. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. Uh, this is, I don't know, this is amazing. We're happy to have you. <laughs> Tom Swift, uh, for those of you who've been living under a rock and if you found your way here, hey, go look at the back catalog. We have Isaac Vega. Isaac <laughs> Vega. <What? laughs> so um, I stand. We are both, we love the show, me and M. Hayes. Isaac, I'll say for me, having previewed the first episode like a bit sooner than the airing to like, you know, have a discussion about it. I fell for all the characters, but Isaac in particular stood out to me. How was it? How did we get to this point where you are now this bodyguard, this fully faceted person? Where did, where did it come from? Child, I do not know. <laughs> I, I got to thank the ancestors and the Orishas every single day. I, I know y'all into sci-fi and stuff, but I believe in mysticism. Shout out to Nancy Drew. Um, so the way that this whole thing happened, I, I got approached in October. Uh, my team got the breakdowns for the show. They got the sides. And in fact, actually at the time, I was literally in the middle of working on A League of Their Own. And so my my mind, my process, my life at the time, like my constraints, they were just a little bit limited. And so I wasn't able to to audition for the appointment. Mm. Fast forward, though, come come around in November. They still hadn't filled the role of Isaac Vega. And they sent us another appointment. And I, I went in for the audition. Everything was literally over Zoom, which was so odd. I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never heard anything like that before. Um, but then suddenly I, I landed, I landed the role. 
Well, um, I am grateful that you have landed that role. <laughs> I truly could not see anyone else uh, being Isaac from here on out. So uh, you definitely made your stamp on that character. Well, thank you. I'm glad people appreciate Isaac. He is a very, um, yeah, he's a very difficult character to play, I think, in some ways. There are a lot of similarities, but there's definitely some differences. But we'll talk about that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that also kind of brings me into one of my questions, um, because I did notice that, you know, both you and Isaac have military experience. So I was curious, you know, about how much of your experience, be it just military or in general, you brought to the character. So to be honest with you, I guess I have served, but that was like over 20 years ago. The world mm -hmm. was very different. And also, um, the way in which that I occupied my own identity as even a younger trans identifying person, having socially transitioned, I had medically transitioned. And also the conversations that are happening today about trans folks in the military wasn't a conversation then. Um, so I think that those are just really unique sorts of things that are maybe a little bit different, but there, there was some things that kind of stood out that were very similar about what it meant to be in the military. Um, this sort of like, mission focus driven attitude that you need to have in order to get the job done so those were things that really that yeah they made sense they married immediately <laughs> yeah yeah i can i can definitely see that. that oh my god yeah and you say 20 years ago just the conversation and the language surrounding transness blackness um the military america like as the way we view america was entirely different so I could only imagine. Oh my God. Yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. So cool. I know. It's so interesting when people ask me that question, they immediately hear, oh, you have a military background. So it's exactly the same you playing this character. In fact, actually, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, the nuances of, of Isaac and the way he gets to occupy this world today in 2022 as a Black trans mass person is very different mm -hmm. than it was in 2001, particularly actually post 9 11. When I signed up, it was literally like, probably two weeks right after 9-11. So it was a really different world. It was a really different time. Um, Good Lord. Yeah, and I'm thinking, like, where was I? Because I know 9-11, I was in high school and, like, See? broke down, <laughs> like, watching. Y'all like telling my age. It's well, not one. Jesus, Lord Jesus. It's all no, you, you, you were, you were uh, 14, <laughs> right? Going into the, the military force? You know? <laughs> right. we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go yes. With that. Oh my goodness, my goodness. Yes, yes, um, yes. Okay, so as it pertains to Isaac, so you you we, we know how different or we see how different the experiences would have been from Marquise X amount of years ago and Isaac maybe 10 years ago. Um, are there any other things or any other characters or media that you drew from to like bring forth that Isaac, that military, that stoic, that bodyguard? Yes, I absolutely yes. I do have trans mass friends that are in the military mm. present day. So a mm. lot of that energy I pulled literally from the people that I know. Um, just full transparency and in all honesty, I did. I, I definitely used the references that I had around me. Um, and maybe some of working on like shows like Law and Order SVU, right? Where I got to play Jim Preston and so I was a sergeant in the military. I think that there were some similarities in that way. So yeah. Mm -hmm. This, okay. <laughs> I, um, 
and in you talking about sort of pulling those experiences, especially with you having um, trans mass friends who are in the military now, I'm very curious about Isaac's sort of, I hesitate to call it a breakout moment, but his sort of moments in episode four, uh, where we see him dealing with what we assume is PTSD. Um, was it important for you to kind of t tackle that? That was extremely difficult. Um, and also very important for me to, to communicate what was happening as honestly as possible. Um, I know there's only but so much that we can really kind of express and do per se as, as an example in network television, um, but I recognize how serious it was and also having friends who have actually experienced PTSD, um, not with something so extreme, because this is pretty intense, right? Right. Being in a relationship, like a, no matter who you are, gender, identity, sexual orientation, background, capacity for love doesn't really matter. You're involved with someone romantically and you're involved in whatever this mission is. And then suddenly that person dies. Right. Like and on top of that, they're dying actually in your arms. It's really intense. Um, the pulling that I got from that looked like, oh, my gosh, it looked like a lot of different things in my own real life my father was killed. And so it was the first, it was the first funeral I ever attended. Mm -hmm. And I was seven years old at the time. And also as a young black person, it communicated a lot to me about the temporariness of like life and also black life. That was something that I pulled from, which was really scary and very intense. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it was really important to make sure that I, I honored what it meant to show up in a, in a way like that, because it's such a real thing. And I, I imagine that most of us experience some level, some layer of PTSD, whether that's from a breakup, losing a job, maybe you, you know, you lost a pet, you, whatever the case may be. But I really wanted to honor that as much as I possibly could. And, and you did it. I'm going to tell you this. If you replay that episode that we discussed it, my God, like the, Thank you. the, the way in, and well, to your point, even though my level of PTSD is not from that very specific yeah. reason. You still communicated it well enough through the screen where I was like, regardless of me liking the character, I was like, oh, this man had been through some stuff. And yeah. even in context of that episode, going through some stuff and still like on autopilot working to take care of Zinzi, that to me was like, bro, <laughs> you're having a panic attack, nervous breakdown, an episode, and yet you still like reaching for the tablet and messing with the lights and like still has the the foresight to take care of your own, which is like, yeah, it's a fictional show, but these experiences real. are real. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they really are. And I mean, just to think about what it means to be folks who are in the military in general um, that experience traumatic events every single day and have to continue to drudge on Right? Like you're just doing your job. You're completely on autopilot. Everything is compartmentalized. Um, and it makes it that much easier that when you do break down, it becomes that much more intense. It's that much more vulnerable. Um, so, yeah, just thank you for that offering, though. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I have. A, OK, so <laughs> um, a lot of my pillars of like this brand is very much representation in comics and related media because media shapes so much of what we see. Um, and a lot of times, though it's targeted at everyone, children, by virtue of not having a job and just being at home, get a lot of it. 
I fanned out when you were cast. And a lot of that for me, though I'm not trans, I cannot picture a time as a child where I've seen a character like yours. Mm. And I mean, from childhood to my big age now. And so mm. I guess my question is like, is there something that maybe I overlooked, even if it's in subtext from being a kid that you saw? Or is Isaac like a first, a very much first for you as well? So there are other Black trans mask um, actors that occupy spaces, right? Like 9-11 Lone Star's Brian Michael Smith, who actually happens to be the first Black trans man who's been cast as a series regular. Um, 4400's, uh, um, oh, yeah. yeah, Teal Thompson, who was just on that show. Yes. Um, though I, I hear what you're saying, right? This, this character is very specific and, and also exists in a very specific world, a very specific mm -hmm. universe that we've never seen before. So I think that there are some some layers to what Isaac brings into this space that are also a part of the fact that like there's a first black gay man who's who's a series regular, not just a series regular, but who is leading the show. And so then that opens up an opportunity to really see queer communities um, as honestly and as full as they possibly can for this character though, for Isaac, to not only just be trans, but also to be trans and pansexual. Mm -hmm. That, yes. I'll be just a thousand percent honest with you. I think, I think there's something really interesting to me today about being able to see visible trans mass representation um, because obviously coming from so many years ago, that wasn't always the case. And if we did occupy spaces, it was under the guise that we were cis, right? Cis assumed, wanting to be cis assumed. This character does not exist that way, one. And also two, he is not interested in being cis and het. That is just mind blowing to me. I, I would have never guessed that I'd see a character exist this way that is so full of the capacities for love that are beyond parts beyond gender, beyond sex. It's just about humanity. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy to me. It is. Yes. yes. It's, it's amazing that we live in a space where we can see that and know that that is someone's life, that is someone's identity is being represented that probably would have never expected something like that to even exist. Um, I have a couple of ways I can go with this. So I have to dabble onto the kind of the media thing. And that takes us a bit, taking a bit away from Tom Swift, but really talking about you, because I was first introduced to you through Disclosure, the documentary on Netflix. And when we're talking about sort of media representation, particularly of trans identifying people, um, Disclosure is, you know, pretty much a must watch. I'm curious as sort of like what your experience was with that as far as like representation and sort of really presenting differing images of trans people. My experience with disclosure, um, no one knows this story. So first, how I even got like poached <laughs> or like was reached out to, it was on Instagram, Laverne Cox DM'd me and told me about this documentary film. And so this is how this world happens for me, right? Like I existed it that way. Um, the experience from the very beginning I was just shocked. I'd never worked on any production before where there was a trans and or GNC or just gender expansive person in every capacity. Yeah. And I believe that there might've been maybe one or two, maybe one or two 
capacities that I saw folks in that they weren't trans, that that person who was the head of whatever that department was was cis, but there was a trans and or non-binary um, gender non-conforming person following them, shadowing that person. Um, it was such a possibility model that in fact communicated there's absolutely no reason why we can't do it. We can. It's just whether or not people are intentional enough to do it and they care enough to do that kind of work. So yeah, it, it was amazing for me. And it, it, it spoke to me in a way that allowed me to then think about my career in ways that there's nothing that is off the table. Mm-hmm. You can do anything that you want to do. If people tell you they can't, it's an excuse. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are not That's wrong. It. You are not <laughs> wrong. Because it's, oh my God. To even take a quick aside, I, I write, or we both do. I mean, you yes. write as well. And a lot of the discourse around the writing community, especially with this specific part of editing, is there being white editors who won't take on black work because, or even black book covers, because like, oh, this doesn't sell for me. It was like, it very well can. There's an audience out there. Black people consume so many types of media that when you're left out or excluded or taken as the token for so long, mm. you carve a niche for yourself. It's like, we have to carve this for ourselves for you to see that this is a viable business model, which is so weird. It's such a weird yeah. thing. And that's the thing, too, you said, which I've definitely heard people say, right? It doesn't sell for me. It's not supposed to, baby. It's not for you. Mm-hmm. That's the way, right? Like, mo- to be honest, and it's it's not a it's not a, a disrespect or to like to be rude or anything like that. When we're talking about our stories as black and brown people, right, people of color, it's important that we are the folks who are behind those stories that we get to um, to navigate what that looks like and curate that conversation. It can't it can't possibly be through white gaze. It's just not. It, it's not realistic. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we continue to walk through the same storylines, the same tropes. You know what I mean? It's, it's, we're just regurgitating the same stories over and over again. Yes. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And to that, I another thing that I love about this show so much is the absence of like trauma. And, and not to say there isn't bad things or things that happen, but it's absence of that trauma that in another creative team could very well be. Thomas hate crime for being gay just because he's gay. Uh, you know, Isaac's transness becomes this thing where it's not you are trans and this is a part of that character. It's more or less like, now let's explore, oh, is he trying to trick people? And oh, is Zinzi getting this? It's it's very much trauma within the context of the show. It's like bad things going on and not, I hate to say this trauma porn or this like constantly rehashed story of, Oh, the gay episode. Oh, the trans episode. Oh, the HIV episode. Like it's this that we've escaped that with this show, and I absolutely love it. Like, I mean, there's there's little moments here and there. Of course, you'll you'll get to experience them very very mildly. But I do I totally echo you. My one of my larger concerns coming in was, um, especially as a trans person, um, being attached to like trans trauma, which is like a very yeah. real thing. I'm not saying that like as a human being, I don't experience trauma, right? As an example, Isaac has, he's experienced something that's associated to his PTSD related to his work performance that has nothing to do with him being trans. Right. Those are the kinds of stories that I'm very interested in telling that yes, people experience pain, but what does it look like when you come out on the other side as a human being? having a human experience after what you just went through, you know, and not just all things because you're trans. 
Right. right. So, yeah, I would say like it's yes, these things can I mean, have you know traumatic elements to it, but it's it's mostly drama for the sake of the shows. Like it's not so much as us thriving within you know these trauma moments. Um, and I I really like what you said about sort of touching on that human experience because that's again going back to disclosure. That's one of those things that you really get to see when you have these people represented. When you have you know just going through just regular human stuff. Just, you know, everyday, like, you know, more or less everyday, but things that everyone can go through that anyone can experience. It's that humanizing element that bit that makes us recognize that, hey, people are people. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I actually was introduced to you years ago and didn't know it. Uh <laughs> Through a documentary. Okay, so listeners of this show already know I have to mention my love for Isaac. Like every episode, Isaac can do no wrong. I am very (laughs) much in love with Isaac. I can separate the actor from the character, but trust and believe Isaac is my (laughs) crown jewel. I don't know. I appreciate you because he is just so strong and masculine, child, so toxic. Oh my God, break. <laughs> I need a rest. Look, look, I get it. Oh, I get it. Um, but I was um back in the day, being younger, there's like a ton, you know, you mentioned Balenciaga, so I'm gonna kind of pivot that way. Um consuming being a, a child of the 90s and like having social media not be the way it is now, and then like seeking out queer representation, not necessarily like to see on TV, but just for yourself, I came across different things like Paris is Burning, like the ballroom scene, like different documentaries. Because for me, that's where the representation really lied was with that underground, that documentary, that um, kind of indie programming with like the closet, with Paris is Burning, with different like people getting on their phone, not their phones, but like getting the resources together and making sure that this is documented some kind of a way. There was also um, came the aggressives, which is where, and this is why I mentioned my love for Isaac and it really comes down to you and just your persona. Watching that, I was like, oh, oh, who is this? Who is, who is my, wait, what? I need to, I want to know. And so had that have been shot like something today, I could just Google Wikipedia. But back then it was like, oh, who is this person? And so to like come full circle for myself to then turn on Tom Swift and then have a flashback like, oh, I know that I, I, the thing where I felt about Isaac is, if I'm being completely honest, is how I felt about my kids back then. I was like, yo. Who is this? So, thank you. Oh, you. Yes, you. Oh, you. It was, um, that is so interesting that you bring that up. It is, it's a very full circle moment, to be honest with you. I mean, when we shot, first of all, when we shot the documentary, it was 1997. I remember when I got approached, it was 1997. I was in my teens, is all I will say. It was very, very young. But I'll, I'll be honest. It's okay. It's, I mean, I'm not shy about my age, but I was 16. At the time, I was 16. And I had no idea. I had no idea what could happen. I had no idea what 
what would be the only black trans masculine person at that point I'd actually ever saw on TV, who was the first person that anyone's probably ever saw on TV was Reno White Prestige on Jerry Springer. That was that was the only example. Um, and interestingly enough, while I was familiar with him from ballroom and we knew each other in passing, he was a much older person than me. I, I didn't feel like it was a boundary that I could cross. So I admired him from afar, but I had no idea you know, what it necessarily meant for me and myself to be a trans person. Like, how would that look? How would I occupy that? Especially outside of um, talk show circuit. Mm -hmm. There really wasn't a lot of things that were available. And then suddenly this person presents themselves and they're doing this documentary. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll do this thing. I have no idea what this is. I don't know where it's going to go. And it's also at a time, too, where there's, like, no trans celebrity, there's, like, no roles or anything to come out for. So you don't know what you're doing, and there's, there's nothing to gain from it. Um, I think for me at that time of my life, oh, that was so difficult, too, because I was navigating so many things. Um, at that very moment in my life, I was navigating homelessness. I was staying at places like the Covenant House, mm. um, Safe Space and the Door, sometimes couch surfing and in-between space. And so then this moment presents itself. I do this thing, but I have no idea what it's gonna what it's gonna mean. Fast forward when it finally debuted. So the film doesn't even come out until 2005, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about eight years time that goes by. You just you have no idea what's gonna happen. And by the time the film comes out, I'm already out of the military. I started my medical transition. You know, I really just kind of wanted to live my life and figure out exactly what that meant for me. And at that moment, I wasn't necessarily ready. And I didn't even know what that would look like to embark on this journey. Um, But now in this moment, right, hindsight, oh, man, it's 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 been very clear to me now that this journey was intentional. This was a part of my process. I was I was lent here for a reason. And now I'm just trying to show up and be present, you know, It's so crazy. Yes, yes. Right. I never thought any of these things would happen. I had no idea what could happen. That's favor. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned um, ballroom. So I'm going to be honest in my sort of like ignorance but just knowing really a ballroom from things like Paris is burning. I did not realize that, you know, uh, trans, trans mass identified people, you know, were a big part of ballroom. So I'm very curious to hear sort of what you are willing to kind of share about what is your experience in ballroom culture? Of course. Um, I know that's so interesting. I think a lot of people probably feel the same. They don't they don't know that like trans mass people are a part of ballroom. They don't recognize that cis women are a part of ballroom. Like all kinds of people are a part of ballroom, um, yeah. which is the beauty of ballroom. It is literally OTA. It's open to all. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be somebody's grandma. You could be a little baby. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a space that's inviting to every single person that's there. I discovered ballroom in 1995. Um, a friend of mine took me to a mini ball. And in fact, actually, they were working on a visual art project for Hedrick Martin Institute. Mm. Um, and they were going to a mini ball that night to just record. And I remember it was on 28th Street and Fashion Avenue. It was an old clubhouse. I'd never been to a ball before. I was like, what in the world is this? <laughs> um, and I just, I remember just feeling so affirmed. 
because I was a very masculine presenting person as a young person. I just remember getting teased so much in school. I couldn't understand like what the big deal was. And then suddenly I walk into this space and I see tons of other people that, I mean, baby, they out there. <laughs> Kids is outside. They've been outside. You know, so I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this exists. But for me, ballroom, the way that it started, I mean, obviously in the 90s, there were no trans masculine categories. That wasn't the language because it just it reflected the world. Mm -hmm. right? So like that language wasn't present. But trans men have always been in ballroom. It's just that they were walking butch categories or some other language category to find their own footing. Um, but yeah, well, it probably wasn't until like the mid to late 2000s, maybe like 2007 to 2010, suddenly there was an influx of trans mass categories. And then that shift just completely oh, took it. off. I love it. Like, oh, that I often think of, and this is <laughs> whenever I record anything, I think of like that little brown person in a flyover state who doesn't have access to Paris is burning or something where you have to pay for. So seeing you on Tom Swift or even having this podcast where it's free to listen, like you find it anywhere, like you, this that little bit of representation that you are not alone. You might be in a space that's a little awkward to navigate, but understand there are people out there who have paved the way either intentionally or not where you can do and be these things that you want. And more that you've probably ever dreamed of. And so, like, hearing that, one, being in ballroom and being trans mask, and then seeing even the evolution of it where now there are those categories specific to a trans mask person is such a kind of proud moment. And I know I'm not affiliated at all. I'm, like, considering myself. I cannot. <laughs> baby, you have no idea how heartwarming it is to see I think on so many levels, one, because I never thought I'd be around to even mm. be able to see it. And then also, too, because mm. this not only community has evolved, but the world has actually yeah. evolved. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing that I, I never thought would necessarily happen in this way. Mm. It's a very proud moment. Um, that's a really proud moment for me. And also looking at ballroom today, like what ballroom in its entirety is doing from the Kiki scene to mainstream ballroom. I mean, you've had shows like My House on Viceland, and now we have Legendary, you've had Pose. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that this is an opportunity now where folks who have kind of always been the underdogs, people who have lived on and in the margins, now have access to space. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm interested to see over time how that, how that shift really starts to expand. And it's starting to, right? We're seeing that reach. Legendary is a prime example of that. Oh. There are a lot of queer folks who are definitely coming through those doors, but I can't wait to see that trickle into the rest of the industry just mm. in its entirety. Oh, so it's such a, a beautiful thing to be a part of, of such a space like that too. Because again, I never thought that that could be a possibility. And I never even thought that ballroom would be preparing me for this stage. Oh, mm, that was next. Yeah. You know, I that was your next one. Oh, that's interesting. No, no, but don't do your thing. <laughs> I, I never thought, I, honestly, I never thought that it would. Um, I'm somebody that because I expressed my gender the way that I did so early on at a time where that wasn't the world, I had to drop out of school. Hmm. So I didn't have the opportunity to go to theater school. I didn't take a ton of classes. That's not my background. Hmm. Right. But ballroom, thankfully, it was present and it primed me with, with so many of the very same things that I'm utilizing in this space, hmm. which is knowing how to stay present, which is knowing how to really embody who you are in that moment and really capture a room, capture an audience, you know. Anyone can do that. It's just about the opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm waiting for the rest of Hollywood to play catch up and, and realize that, you know, especially for us, Black people, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, we, we are so, ma- I think the magic that is Black folks is like constantly being given nothing and turning that into everything. Say that. That's what we do. <laughs> Say that. Say Listen, that. If, if anyone missed church this morning, this is their sermon. <laughs> no, for real. It's like it's 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 so wild that it happens all the time. Like going back to the example from before, oh, this doesn't sell for me. But once you start seeing that it is selling, now it's like, how do I colonize this space and find a way to like make it work for me as a non-black or white person? It's like you mm, you speaking. Capitalism is very unattractive, but you know, at the end of the day, I what my desire is and hope is that we continue to see more of us occupying this space, these spaces. We continue to see more shows like Legendary, your Tom Swift's, P Valley. Come on, come on! I'm obsessed with P Valley right now. Um, But yeah, you know, I just, I, I, I really. I really love and appreciate that there are so many different kinds too of like black experiences and black stories that aren't. These are really different shows that I just mm-hmm. mentioned, right? Yes. Tom Swift, Legendary, and, and P Valley. But like that's that's blackness. We're not yeah. a monolith. We don't just show up as like one thing or the other. It's all mm-hmm. the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's gumbo. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, and just kind of touching back on the idea, like. Because there's we're in a space where it feels like people are finally trying to catch up, finally trying to kind of get to see all these stories that are out there, all these people's stories that we can be told. And in that playing catch up, it's like people are reaching back and pulling out the stories that were already existing. Mm-hmm. And one of the ones that I was really excited to see that you were part of was uh, Bebo of Blues. Come on. <laughs> so um, I haven't wanted to see that movie for a minute, but I finally got a chance to watch it in sort of preparation for this. First of all, yes, um, but I'm really curious, sort of like what what that role was like, and you sort of like being in that space with such a powerful story. I think being told. Oh my god! It was a complete and utter honor. Mm. Um. As you will follow me over the course of my career, you will see what I mean. But I am somebody who believes in Black stories and Black queer stories. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a very intentional thing that I'm trying to do here and build for myself. Good. To be a part of a film like B-Boy Blues mm-hmm. with an elder, a Black queer elder like James Earl Hardy, who is still with mm-hmm. us. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Having read B-Boy Blues in 1996 when it came out. Come on. Um, I, it was a complete labor of love. We shot that film in the middle of the pandemic Mm. with Mm. a budget that was on air and Skittles. (laughs) (laughs) And again, black people, right? Doing that thing, having pretty much nothing and turning it into everything. And it's so beautiful that it's so well received in that way, just considering like all the challenges that folks don't know anything about. Right, that have nothing to do with cast or like production, but it's you know it was 2020. It was in the yeah. middle of the pandemic. We're not even talking about working with half of a production team. You're talking about probably a quarter of because of the restrictions and all of those limitations. And somehow, 
We showed up every single day and it was like, this thing says, how you doing? How's your day? You all right? You know, it was just, it was pure love. It was a, it was a really good time. Mm. It was a really good production to work on. And to be honest with you, um, that was probably the first time that I'd ever worked on a production with that many black people as well, mm. too. Um, mm. which was clearly very intentional for B-Boy Blues. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there were other PLC folks, Latinx, maybe some Asian, one or two Middle Eastern, but literally the vast majority, I'd say probably 85% of the production black. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was a wonderful experience to be in. Um, yeah. I remember the first table read that we had, Jesse invited us to his home. Oh. He has a, a place in, in Harlem and he cooked. Mm. He literally cooked. We had chicken, a little bit of salad. You know, it was just a, it was a very, it was a very intimate space that was being curated mm. with the intention of like relaxing, being at ease. Like this mm. is, this is us. This is our thing. We're, yeah. we're doing this and we're building this together. Right. And I think that, I think that comes through because it feels like you said it was shot in 2020. It did not feel like that. <laughs> like, um, it's. <laughs> Like, I think it really just came through just like the comfort level that all of the characters had with each other, just like, because it, it felt so familiar. Like, it felt like this could have been my friend group. You know, this could have been us just sitting up, you know, uh, uh, talking to each other, be like, uh, you know, you you know, you're messing up, right? Like, it felt <laughs> yeah. very real. Yeah, absolutely. I. It was. And, and playing the role of Babyface was really cool. Um being in an actual relationship, long-term relationship with this partner he's been with, mm-hmm. playing someone who's a lawyer. I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Yes. Um, but there was, there was what really spoke to me the most, I think about wanting to then be in that role was really that there is black love between these two men. This is not some flighty sort of like situational thing or whatever. This, these are two people who honestly love each other. Um, our friends, they have each other's back. And the moment, the moment that I met Michael Jackson Jr., who, by the way, is an amazing dancer. Oh, Jesus Christ. The boy dances for Alvin Ailey. You need to see him. Um, and is also just a really beautiful human being. He made the process that much easier. Um, I just, I had a, they're my people. I, I, I love the B-Boy Blues team, but it was, it was a wonderful experience. And I, I wasn't necessarily sure what to expect, given mm-hmm. that I was the only trans mass person that was there, but it wasn't even a thing. It just, it didn't even matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's great. It, the, okay, this was an, I'm telling on myself, this was another surprise because I watched the trailer and I saw your face, but I, something didn't compute with me. So when I actually started the film, and I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Courtney. Wait, let me run that back. I um, I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm here for. Uh, Raheem and uh, Mitchell, I don't care about that. But no, <laughs> that being no, said, they're all they're all amazing and they're oh, gorgeous yeah. guys. You y'all, the whole project was wonderful. And one thing, and this isn't even me being like a fan of the project. I think one thing that kind of shined through for me was that with every character on screen, once the credits rolled, I wanted to see. What happened to yeah. BD and Courtney? 
where is the prequel? Where is the limited series? And it wasn't just because, oh, it's representation. Oh, it's black folk. Oh, I like them. It was really like you, the, the story was told in a way where you had so many types of relationships. That movie was so black and so gay queer that I had to think, like, were there any straight people in this, like, outside of uh, Mercedes? <laughs> Come on, P-Valley. Outside of Brandy, excuse me. Um, I was like, wait a minute. I don't think, unless I'm just ignoring them, there were straight folks that were centered in the way. It was, like, completely reversed from, yeah. uh, um, what is it, Bridget Jones' Diary or any other rom-com. <laughs> like, it was very, and that felt so easy like if yeah. i was like i'm just watching this it's not a even raheem and mitchell meeting it was like get your ass up here it's the package it's this and it wasn't like oh they go to games let's see if they gonna get <laughs> so i want more i want more so yeah i want the series yeah. i really do i hope that there is more um but it was such an honor. It was such an honor to be a part of that project. And I mean, to be honest with you, those are the kind of stories that I'm very interested in continuing to tell. Yes, you know, yeah. I think that there's something really important about Black history and Black queer history and marrying mm -hmm. these, these communities of Blackness together. Um, it's largely in part why, for myself personally, I'm, I'm very um, fixed on wanting to be on shows that center Black audiences and Black people, specifically as a Black trans person, thinking about the violence that we experience and face, I think that the best way to then humanize our experiences is by building these relationships, is by having relationships with each other in this way, and also changing the narrative, spinning this around so that we get to be the center of the conversation. I love that you said that. And quite honestly, typically when I've seen shows, um, as an example, Star. Star, Star was a pretty good show, right? But mm -hmm. like, Every time I saw a queer person in that show, I thought about it. I was like, man, there's this there's this table. Like you're inviting people to the table, but also they're sitting at the kitty table, right? Like yeah. I gotta I gotta come here with my own size, and or I'm just here to be like your ingestible cup of coffee when you need a jolt, and then we put the trans character or the queer character back on the shelf. Mm -hmm. um, it's beautiful to see us really be at the heart and the center of black families, black love, black conversations. Like I just, yeah, I feel proud every single day doing this kind of work. Oh my yes. God. And 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 just to kind of uh, piggyback on that, the one thing I love when we see these shows, movies, whatever, what have you, that you can tell have a lot of black people, a lot of black queer people sort of at the center is you kind of subvert a lot of expectations. Yeah. Because when I was watching the movie, there were so many moments like, okay, this may turn bad. Like what's about to happen? Like, oh, there's like, this gonna be an issue with the boss. So I mean, the coworker, this may be an issue with the family. This may be an issue mm -hmm. here. Like you're almost expecting something to go wrong. And then when it doesn't, it's like, oh, right. <laughs> we can exist without, you know, the granted, now granted, things things did go wrong, but that's usually yeah. when it's yeah. on us. It's not our family's fault or anything like that. But I love that too. That there's this sense mm -hmm. of you know you screwed something up, but that's your fault. And also yes. you get to address that. You get to redeem that, right? You get to own that. You get to be accountable for it. But I love. I'm so I'm so appreciative too that it doesn't look like oh my god, your family hates you and you have all these other issues now. That has nothing to do with that at all. It's about some of the internal stuff that we ourselves are having conversations, you know, with back and forth that screw things up, that come in, into the way of just something as simple as love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
Um, speaking of love, um, let's get into this love square triangle star. Um, What's the octagon? Oh, <laughs> like ain't got no shape no more. <laughs> like this love circle because clearly everybody get love. Isaac and Tom was like started off being a thing, but then I was like, is it Isaac and Zinzi? But now is it is Rowan in there a little bit? And like what? I'm mean, even Lorraine. I mean, I'm a... <laughs> Isaac, no, I'm... you just you just gotta watch. There's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of opportunities for love and for hooking up. Um, for Isaac in particular, I think that what you'll continue to see is that you will continue to see him go on this journey of trying to um, figure out how does he access his feelings in relationship to who he is. This is someone who's been very fixed and rigid, who's compartmentalized, who's come from a lot of trauma, who's very slow to open up and trust. And so then what does it look like for him to finally do that thing if he does that thing? You know, you just, you've got to keep watching it, but you are absolutely spot on. Girl, it's it's a pool. It just, ain't no shapes over here. It's just liquid. It's spilling all over the place. I don't know what is going on. The rain and clear thing. I was like, can we? You know what? I'm listening. <laughs> when is Isaac taking her out? I'm sorry. I love Brittany, but uh, but <laughs> Isaac, get rid of her. You know what? Oh my God! Y'all trying to take her out? Yes, she is no. terrible. No, she is a horrible person. So. You, you got to oh, yeah. see. You got to watch it play out. Yeah, you got to watch. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, that kind of that took up my last. I mean, I, I, was, you know, I can't, I can't really give too much away. You ask oh, me no. questions, that's like. I don't know. That's okay. I mean, you can't. We, can. Anybody... we got some time. We got what? Four more episodes? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we you get our listen. Isaac episode tomorrow. This, this is going up Monday. So uh, y'all listening. If we get in the book of Isaac, and I am going to be fed, I'm sure. Do you understand? <laughs> I am be- I am ready. I've been ready for this since episode one. I really hope so. <laughs> you know, he making me nervous. I'll be in front of cameras all day. You out here just making me whole nervous. But I hope so. I hope that you all enjoy it. And I really just appreciate that Black people are enjoying the show, that folks are tuning in. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I get it. It is totally outside of the stratosphere in the universe that people are typically used to seeing on TV. But that's mm-hmm. the point, right? Absolutely. Yes. You know, Absolutely. to do things that we've never done before and revolutionize shit. Ooh, I mean, a black, literally, though, a black gay man who's a billionaire, mm-hmm. who, I mean, is an inventor. Mm-hmm. Tech is sexy. Science is sexy, bro. Being smart is sexy. Yes. Being yes. black, gay, and smart is sexy. <laughs> I want to, you know what I mean? Like, that's important for people to hear and to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so yes. much more than just hookups. Don't get me wrong. We do that, too. We do that hey. well. Right? But we do yes. everything well. We really yes. do. Yes. Yes. Oh, wait. And, I, that's, and that's just really just something that I really enjoy about this show just so much is, like, it shows so many different facets. And then it uh, takes the time to show these facets, like, authentically. Because I think we were talking about, uh, Rain and I were talking about in the last episode, you know, like there are lines of dialogue and, th- and situations that pop up that we will be corny, I feel like, coming from anyone else. 
but it this feels like okay, yeah, like I would probably say that, like strong, solid top, yeah, I'd probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love that too. I love that the dialect, like the converse, it's so conversational. It is the way that we speak. Um, of course, some of it might be might be pushing the envelope, right? We get it. All those things happen yeah. too, and there's always an intention behind. There's mm-hmm. at least for me, it feels like it's very, very intentional behind why mm-hmm. we're doing these things. And also, I mean, let's be clear, like. As a black person, I don't want to feel like I need to like police and and have everything that I say be very PC and whitewashed so it's ingestible for someone else. When really the audience and the people that I need to be communicating look like us, look like you, right? Like that's exactly who we should be talking to. Yeah, I just the experience of of this show, especially as a first series regular, mm-hmm. and on network television, has absolutely set a standard. Um, I only hope. That it gets better and better and better from here versus declining. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, to really think about it, right? Like it's see, all series regulars are black, hair, makeup, costumes. Come on. You know, main EP, writer of the show, black cis gay man. Like how many opportunities do we have to see us in these, in these ways, in these capacities? I'm so, I'm just hopeful that I continue to have these kinds of experiences in this industry mm-hmm. because thus far, they have been the best. Yeah. You know, in comparison to some of the other experiences. Is it, you know, it's not to suggest that other sets are terrible or anything like that, but I must admit that there's there is just something really warm and what feels like home to me to be around other black people. Absolutely. Just, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You you are preaching to the choir. I oh. um no. Shameless, shameless plug. I um, wrote the article why everyone should be watching Tom Swift, and that was a selling point for me. Um, in about a year or so ago, there was conversation about specifically like with CW, but a lot of black actors and actresses specifically who have to like do their own hair, do their own makeup, and the amount of care. And I think it was Ashley Murray who said, "Like, yeah, I'm able to just like you know decide what Zinzi wears," and I was like, "To." Me not being in television, but knowing that the show aside, the behind the scenes, they're giving that much consideration to the people who will be acting out this show when it comes to hair, when it comes to makeup, like to know that you can show up and there's a black barber. (laughs) It's not someone trying to play Mm -hmm. around with your face. So I just. And I've also, yes, those things are true. And also, I have never seen a production where folks are so willing to meet you where you're at, mm. whatever your request is, whatever you're asking for is just so unusual. Mm. I mean, the writer's room even, it's open to cast mm. every Monday. Every month, you know, literally, we can sit in on the writer's room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is extremely unusual. You know, it's it's a production that I've just not, any, I've never seen anything like this before. That is wonderful. So grateful. Hmm. Yeah. So you you bringing us next Monday? You're gonna call us on Facebook? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I'm trying to get a job. I need an extra one too. I would. <laughs> Y'all heard? <laughs> we look. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. We we heard, and we're definitely rooting. Yeah, we just these podcasts, but whatever's needed. It's, it's a tricky situation too because the CW is in the middle of a split. There's a lot of things that are happening. Who knows? Yeah. The show could come back in another iteration and, yes. and some other plays could be streaming. Um, but for now, at least it's still on. Please mm-hmm. check it out. Make sure you watch Tom Swift Tuesday, 9 p.m. Oh. 
Say that. Yes. Oh, we in there live tweeting every Tuesday. We getting them tweets yeah. off. Um, yeah. Go for me. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk you. about this GoFundMe because I'm you know definitely. That. Yes. No, I'm, also <laughs> I'm mad at, Cl at Cl not Clara. Well, her too, but I'm mad at Lorraine. And I saw an opportunity to support you as a fan, and I definitely need that. I money. love that. As soon as I saw, I was on the floor. I was like, "Are you serious? Somebody yeah. made this man a go for it, girl? It on fire, Isaac. Oh my god, yeah. so hilarious! Yeah. Thank you, and, and I appreciate it. I really do. I appreciate your support. <laughs> Yes, indeed. We we want that. We need to work it. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, outside of Tom Swift, A League of Their Own, it does come out. It's on August 12th. It comes out. It's on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, I play the role of Red Wright. Um, of course, it's, you know, it's after the original A League of Their Own, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a period piece, 1940s. Um, race, gender, class, all the things on the table, please. Feel free and also check that out as well. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'll leave it. It's so wild, too, because that was my first major recur, and I booked that, and then right after that, I ended up booking Tom Swift. So Come on. The universe got a way of just doing things for you. You know, sometimes yeah. you just, just got to be patient. You got it. You got it. So that will be in the show notes for y'all listening and watching. I'll make sure to make it a point to uh, have that there so y'all can be reminded to check out A League of Their Own on August 12th. You said Amazon Prime. Prime. Okay. I don't want to say the wrong thing. All right. Prime. There we go. Yes. Yeah. You got something? <laughs> oh no. Um, my last two questions were answered, so I'm good. Okay, this is my final episode four in the Chocolate Cowboys. You mentioned while dealing with Zinzi glamoring. You mentioned that like several times, you Isaac. So my question is. I don't know how, if this is even an interest of yours, but I want you in something vampire related. I want you in some vehicle with black vampires. If me and M. Haynes got to write it, you know, I want that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Vampire, that's one of the things that's absolutely on my list. Yes. Um, action, some kind of DC, Marvel. I, I, huh. I, Oh, I'm dying. I'm just dying for one opportunity. That's but a vampire movie? Oh, I like that. Yes, I want it. I, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I, you know, I'm a, a nerd. We both are, but I'm very much into vampires. So you said glamour oh. more than once. I was like, oh, he's telling me to write this. Um, so I'm <laughs> definitely going to do it. Yo, write it. Yes. Let me see. Let let's talk, man. Let's talk. I'm, look, I'm always up for working with other black creatives and artists in this industry. I'm I'm absolutely very serious. Okay. You work on it. Talk to me, man. Let's see. Yeah. Y'all huh. heard it here first, folks. Word. Birthday for me. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um. Well, with all this knowledge and all this experience that you have. Is there anything that you maybe want to get out or say or promote or anything to folks out there listening who uh, may not, for whatever odd reason, not mm. know who Marquise is, maybe aren't familiar with? or So, of course, you can always follow me on social media. My main social media hub is Instagram. It's the only thing that I use personally. Um, outside of that, if you're in Atlanta, July 16th, the House of Balenciaga is having their 20th anniversary ball. Please attend, show up, come support. I will definitely be there. 
Um, yeah, and then that's about it. I already mentioned a league of their own. Um, and everything else, man, be black, be beautiful, be blessed. You know, um, I think it's important to to make sure that we we hold space with each other in these ways. I love this. I love that black people uplift each other in, in this capacity. If there's any other thing that I can do for you, please let me know. Cool. Beyond just, you know, quote unquote interviewing, maybe I got a maybe I got a plug. Maybe it's somebody else you might want to talk to. You, huh. might, or you might need a link, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, definitely. And and you yeah. To be quite honest, if you write a book, if you do a role, if you just want to say to ABCs, you are more than welcome <laughs> to come back on this show. I promise you. <laughs> whatever. This man crazy. Whatever. I, tuh, and I mean everyone. No, he so, said if you want to sing the ABCs, M Hayes, yeah, you got to be a good boy. You got you got to deal with him all day. He is, you know, <laughs> so, I yeah. love it. I appreciate you. Thank you yeah, very it's, much. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, you. indeed. Um, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, um, it, all this stuff will be in the show notes. Everything mentioned, y'all, make sure to check out the show notes, whether you're watching it on YouTube or you're listening to the podcast version. The show notes will contain all of this information and um, support Tom Swift. Save Tom Swift is the hashtag Tuesday. Shout it out, shout it out. Um, uh, follow and support Marquise, of course, and of course, support me <laughs> and M Hayes, and all our links will be in the show notes. Um, God, it's been a pleasure. I'm so grateful. Yeah. I'm so full right now. Thank you. Thank you. I um, appreciate it. Absolutely. No, thank you both for having me today. Y'all are lovely folks. I don't know. What, first of all, yeah, where are y'all? Where do you live? I'm in Dallas. Dallas I'm in Dallas. So I'm like right outside Atlanta. So you may see me on the 16th. <laughs> Come through. If you're in town, please do. Please do. I'll make sure I remember your face too. And if you're around, Yo, man, pop up. It's like the cookout. Come through, man. Don't see. Now, hold up. It's your 20th anniversary. (laughs) Family reunion. You know, black people just want to find a reason to dress up and be cute. That's it. That's it. And you got some barbecue, too? Yeah, come on. All right. (laughs) Good, good, good. Well, no. Oh, my God. This has been a pleasure. and And I mean that with every fiber of my being. Whenever you want to come back, more than welcome. And we would love to have you. Um, y'all make sure to check out Tom Swift episode eight and the book of Isaac airing tomorrow. And um, yeah, stay carefree, nerdy, geeky. And if you get fired by your boss's mom, make sure to save her son so that when you do come back, she'll welcome you with open arms. <laughs> All right, y'all. Didn't know you could dance. My ex-girlfriend insisted we take lessons. Girlfriend? What? One of the trans guys have annoying exes? How would my younger self react to seeing a black, trans, pansexual, strong man on TV? Wanna go for a round? Wouldn't be a fair fight. First, in utter shock, and then probably in tears.
to know that this person exists and is on TV without having to be cis, right? Like totally outside of the gender binary as a trans person and adding on the layer of being pansexual. He's open to falling in love with people across the gender spectrum. Owning their sexuality in a way that is also outside of what is cis and het as a black trans man. Like not, not feeling very necessary that they need to show up as a, as a cis straight man. I would have never imagined that that could be possible. And it's so beautiful to see this sort of like complete mind blowing process and experience that it is like to, to watch the world develop and see who this person is and know that they, they occupy this, this space. You and I have never danced. I would be floored. My younger self would be absolutely floored. I would never think that this would be possible. I appreciate that.